And what I'm referring to, of course, is Michelangelo's masterpiece that's at St. Peter's uh, Basilica. Uh, Look at the two hands of Mary. So she's the dead body of her son in her lap, and one hand she's holding the body, the other is open, and the palm facing upwards. Mm -hmm. And so one is the hand of the mother, grieving the death of her son. The other is a gesture of surrender Mm -hmm. to the will of God, the act of a disciple. How How many times in our own lives do we cling to things? You're searching for the meaning of life. On what certainties should we build our lives and the life of the community to which we belong? I have come to know among you nothing but Christ and Him crucified. What matters is that I believe it, or rather know. Not that I believe it, but that I believe it. We have hope. Someone who's alive today could be a saint tomorrow. That makes sense. That's why Jesus came on earth. In order to set them free with the truth of the gospel. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Upfront with the Archbishop. My name is Jenny, your host. The goal of Upfront is to bridge the gap between the hierarchy and the faithful by discussing the truth, beauty, and challenges of our Catholic faith. Archbishop Smith, it's good to be here with you. Good to see you, Jenny. So we're talking about Mother Mary today. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Uh, it's We just had New Year's, huh. uh, New Year's Day, which is the Feast of Our Lady. What's the formal title of that? Solemnity feast? of Mary, Mother of God. What is a solemnity... Specifically? It's the most solemn high feast in the, in the, in the liturgical year. So um, we have memorial celebrations yeah. of saints. We have festive celebrations, for example, if we're talking about the apostles. But that there are moments that we realize mm-hmm. are of high solemnity. Yeah. Uh, so um, Christmas, Easter... Wow, so, uh, so Mary, oh, Mother of God, Mary is, is she's a, like is lined up next to Christmas and Easter. Yeah, yeah, it's a huge feast. It's a huge, oh, solemn wow. feast. The Immaculate Conception of the Blessed Virgin is another. A her, solemnity. Her Assumption into Heaven. These are, oh. these are, there are a number of solemnities throughout the year that really um, raise up to our consciousness and inspire within us a desire to worship and celebrate, recognizing that these are just key, key moments um, the life of the Lord and the life of the Blessed Mother, which really want to draw our attention to uh, essential elements of our faith. So the Solemnity of the Blessed Virgin, is that celebrated internationally on January 1st? or is yeah, that uh, Throughout the church, throughout the world, okay. absolutely. Yes. Why did yes. Jan- the first day of the year get picked for her? There's a number of things that come together um, January 1st. Um, so there is the Solemnity of Mary, Mother of God, but it has also become the World Day of, of Peace. And secularly, it's also the new year, right? And so In the Western, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Mary Mary points to a number of things when we consider her title there as Mother of God. It's a Marian solemnity, but at the end of the day, it's, it's a Christological event because it announces a truth about Jesus Christ. Mm. Namely that he is the eternal son of God, made flesh, born of the Virgin Mary. In other words, Jesus is God. And if Mary is the mother of Jesus, she is the mother of God. So it it does highlight Mary's unique role in salvation history, for sure. At the same time, it announces the fundamental truth of who Jesus is. And as son of God, incarnate, who was crucified, died, and rose from the dead, he and he alone is the way to peace, which we announce on this World Day of Prayer for peace. And as risen Lord, he is Lord of all things, including, therefore, the Lord of all time. Mm -hmm. All time, all seasons are subject to him. 
So it announces Christ, but then announces Christ as as the answer, as the way forward to these to these other other dimensions of human living. The World Day of Peace. Sorry, does that come from the church or is that it a, does? It does come. Oh, it does, it does come from the church. Yeah, I forget exactly when we'd have to fact check that one, uh, Matthew, when it all uh, first began, but it uh, was an initiative of the pontiffs. Okay, that's interesting. I immediately think of how Mary is often uh, presented with her foot on the serpent, um, mm-hmm. crushing Satan, who would be the, I mean, the agent of chaos, the disruptor of peace. Yeah. That's interesting. But consider consider how that image itself um, is what the ch- is part of what the church has called the proto evangelium, the 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 proto gospel, the earliest proclamation of the gospel, it comes from Genesis three fifteen, and this is just after Adam and Eve have taken the forbidden fruit from the tree, mm-hmm. and God is making an announcement that that a woman, one to be raised up. Um, uh, who will in turn give birth to another who will, by his action, crush the evil one, crush the head of the serpent. This was God's first announcement of salvation. It was his first announcement of mercy. His, what I like to say about that is that here was, in the face of the original sin, the original rupture, mm-hmm. radical rupture, between Adam and Eve on the one hand and God on the other, God's first response was mercy. God's first response to announce that he'll never let us go, that he will so act in history as to raise up a woman from whom will be born the one to crush the head of the serpent. God is so merciful. God is all merciful. And Mary, as the one ultimately chosen to be the mother of the incarnate son, has that indispensable role in the fulfillment of God's promise. In the book of Revelation, the final book of the Bible, there is there is an image of of the woman and the serpent, right? We just had, I mean, we were just... The woman and the dragon. The woman the and the dragon. Yeah, in Revelation. And that yeah. is, is that Mary and Satan? We, that, that's our understanding There's of probably levels of different, level, different levels of interpretation there, yeah. but at the, at the end of the day, the church looking at that would clearly see that as a reference to the Blessed Mother. Yeah. Did we get a fact check on the World Day of Peace? We did, yes. I am Mr. Fact Checked over here. The World Day of the Peace, uh, World Day of Peace is an annual celebration by the Catholic Church dedicated to universal peace held on the 1st of January, the solemnity of Mary Mother of God. Pope Paul VI, St. Pope Paul VI now established it in 1967, being being inspired by the encyclical Pacem in Tarius. So, 55 years we've had this. Yeah, and the, every year the Pope gives a very beautiful message for the World Day of Peace. Every every Pope? Every Pope. Every, every January Since 1st. then, every January 1st, there's a message for the, from the Pope for the World Day of Peace. Okay. Yeah. Now with Mary, one thing I've always wondered about with Mary is that, and actually all of the saints in general, with, with Christ, we have this personal relationship with God. And there's, I think it's pretty natural, obviously, to to relate to God in, in that purely spiritual sense because... Um, even before Christ was incarnate in history as a person, um, God existed. Like you could speak to God even though he hadn't in history come as Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas with the saints and with Mary, they are they don't have that relationship with history. They were a human being that was born as we all were. Right. Um, so I've, I've wondered when you're building a relationship with Mary, do you just speak to her as if you, you're speaking to God in that sense of like just talking to Mary in your head, if that's how you do a mental prayer? Or 
Sure. Is there sure. any differentiation between how you would kind of pray with Mary as opposed to praying with our Lord? Or oh, sure, of Lord? course, of course. So, so there, there's, it's all personal relationships. Certainly, um, yeah. we do hold in the Catholic Church to what we call the communion of saints. So, yeah. the, the, those who have gone before us, now with the Lord in paradise, they all they all remain part of of the family, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the the difference is uh, clearly it is. The Lord Jesus, who alone is Lord, he alone is Savior. He alone is the Redeemer. He alone is the mediator between humanity and and God the Father. Mm -hmm. And so he is the one who alone is the object of our worship. Mm -hmm. And so prayer to the Lord Jesus certainly is going to have a petitionary element to it. It's going to have a personal element of kind of just kind of sharing one's heart, you know, and hoping to get direction from the Lord. But at the end of the day, it's Almighty God. And so the object of coming before the Lord is adoration and worship. All leads to that. Mm-hmm. We do not accord worship to any of the saints. Mm-hmm. That belongs to God alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes Catholics are accused of worshiping Mary. Well, we don't worship Mary. We honor, we venerate mm-hmm. in the most extreme, supreme way we could. Um, the Blessed Mother as the Mother of God. But worship belongs to God alone. He alone is the unique object of that. Uh, when we turn to the saints, including to the Blessed Mother, it's to ask for their intercession. And we uh, believe they can speak back? Like that they, they would speak to us? Um, I, I think we might get a sense of their closeness, get a sense of their, of their um, proximity and their help and their love. At the end of the day, though, the saints would want to say, the one you want to hear from is God, not from us. Right? So, you know, Mary herself at Cana, you know, when she looked at the servants, do whatever he tells you. Mm. Right? And that's, what, that's, that's Mary's constant message to us. Sure, we'll pray to her. I pray to her all the time. You know, and, and again, I think I've mentioned this before, when she appeared to Juan Diego at, Guadal- at uh, Tepayac, near Guadalupe there, she said, am I not here who am your mother? In other words, what are you worried about? Okay, I'm your mother, I'm here, and I can guide you and care for you. But again, Mary always directs us to her son, do whatever he tells you. So, um, you know, I, uh, and I, and I don't mind admitting that sometimes when in my own spiritual life I'm feeling things have gone off the rails a little bit, something's just not quite right and whatever, mm-hmm. I'll, turn to, I'll turn to Mary, mm-hmm. help me out here. Right? And somehow, somehow, through her prayers, which are so powerful, I eventually come back on track. But through it all, through her praying, um, she's not drawing me closer to her. Mm. Well, in a sense, yes. But ultimately, her goal is to draw me closer to her son so that, again, I can be more faithful to doing what he tells me to do. I remember growing up and sometimes seeing in different Catholic homes significant veneration of Mary. I, I always understood that it wasn't worship, but... Uh, for some people, Marian devotion is central, if not the framing element of their Catholic faith, uh, which even in some churches, like there'll be a massive picture that, well, there's a, there's a church in Edmonton that I'm thinking of. It has like a, you walk in and the first thing you see is a massive mm-hmm. image of Our Lady actually over the altar. There's always a crucifix, right? Sure. Um, as would be uh, proper for a Catholic church. But do you think Mary would be distressed by that when her image is even sometimes bigger than our Lord? Or do you think that, that's not an issue, even like little details like that. Well, the, the, 
The first thing that occurs to me to say is I think our Lord himself... Oh, bring your be, mic up. I think the, our Lord himself would be happy to see his mother venerated. Ah. Right? Okay. Um, and Mary herself, though, in her prayer, would always be working within us to say, all right, proper perspective here. Mm-hmm. You know, I am your mother. I am the mother of the Redeemer. Yes. Um, but I want, you to, I want you to come to know my son. Mm-hmm. I want you to come to know him, love him, and follow him in all my prayers, all that I will do as as your heavenly mother will be to facilitate that, you growing closer to him. And so really that ought to inspire the way we do pray to the Blessed Mother. So yes, we can go to her, our situations and all of our challenges and everything else, and pour our hearts to her like we would to our own mom, and she'll listen, mm-hmm. and, she, and, and she will know what needs to be done. Uh, and in her own way, out of her own maternal love, will act through interceding with her son to bring about that which uh, needs to be accomplished. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I think the prayer, when all is said and done, needs to be, Blessed Mother, help me to know Jesus better. Mm-hmm. Help me to be a more faithful disciple of your son. Help me to love him more. Right? Help me to, to, to appreciate how I am to be his witness in the world today. Mm-hmm. These, these would be the prayers that would give the greatest joy to Mary's heart. Well, and I guess too, if you're building an authentic relationship with Mary, truly Mary, then it's unavoidable that you're going to be, in a sense, redirected to Jesus. Because if you know her, then you know the Lord. If you you know the true Mary. Yes, and it's reflected in the way that we most commonly pray to her, through the Hail Mary. Right. Well, we're praying to Mary, but what word stands at the heart of the prayer? Jesus. Right. Right. So everything leads back to Jesus. Have you ever wanted scapular? Uh, no, I haven't. Hmm. It's just not been part of my particular yeah. devotion. Yeah, no. that's interesting. Yeah, because I've always been intrigued by these particular, even like physical sacramentals or um, devotions that people have that can become a really big part of their faith, right? Yes, and as we uh, you make use of sacramentals, uh, we should always be praying that it will be in a way that does help us to grow authentically in the faith of the church, mm-hmm. which is to say always with Christ at the center and obedience to the teachings of all that, that is, has been handed down to us through his body, the church. Uh, can you quickly define a sacramental, actually? Sacramental as distinct from a sacrament. So a sacrament is a sacred, solemn celebration of the church, one of the seven sacraments instituted by Christ himself, through which... In a mysterious way, the Holy Spirit works to make present the Paschal mystery of Jesus. And in that way is an instrument of grace, the the traditional definition, an outward sign instituted by Christ to give grace. So we are touched by the grace of the Lord. We don't proclaim the same of sacramentals, whether it's holy water, sacramental, or whatever. But they they are ways in which they can kind of tweak our consciousness, our awareness, uh, and awaken our desire to grow in grace. They don't, they're not instruments of it, but they can remind us in their own way of the call to holiness and to grow in grace. So they're like material signposts that kind of just check us. Yeah, the, sure. Okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do, Jenny. That'll do. No, I'm just trying to... Just trying to get a clear definition out of you. Well, I thought I thought it gave it. <laughs> I'm that annoying student. <laughs> uh, 
that's funny. Uh, how so? How would something like a a, a rosary would be a sacramental? You could use it in that sense. Okay. Um, I would think of it more of as a, as an aid, a prayer aid, okay. not so much a sacramental, but a prayer okay. aid. Yeah, yeah. And how, when it, especially when it comes to developing a relationship with Mary or with the saints, how do you think that those something like a rosary or a scapular, a physical element that we have incorporated in our prayer life, how how does that draw us closer to Mary well, or the saints? Again, I think it becomes the, the question again, and we touched upon this, in a, I think, in an earlier podcast, of the relationship between the body and soul, right? Right. We're, we're, we're not disembodied spirits. We are body persons, and as such, we're very tangible, Yeah. and tangible things help us. So whether yeah. we're looking at something, touching something, listening to something, it all has its way of working through the body to touch the soul and to help us to grow at the level of the soul yeah. along the line of the, the life of holiness. Yeah. And I remember when we were doing, uh, we did an episode about your recent journey to Ireland. Oh, yeah. And you had mentioned how you went to the shrine of Our Lady of Knock. Mm-hmm. And there's there's many different Marian devotions. I mean, Medjugorje is is probably it's very modern and it's recent. A lot of people know a lot about it. Or of course there's Fatima and Lourdes, all of these very prominent Marian mm-hmm. apparitions. Mm-hmm. Is there a particular devotion to Mary or Marian figure? Um, I don't I don't know if the right term is the version of Mary, but is there, yeah. What do you call that? There's all the different names for Mary. You know, there's Our we Lady are, of Guadalupe and yeah. there's Our Lady of Knock. There's Our Lady of Fatima. What, are the, what do you call that? Well, they're just they're just different ways of honoring the Blessed Mother under, okay. under different titles. Right. Um, as the Blessed Mother, as our Heavenly Mother, she, there are different ways in which she reaches out and touches her children, just like right. any mom is going to relate in in a whole host of different ways to her children. Yeah. So sometimes the title will be associated with a place where the church has authenticated there there was an apparition. Sometimes it's um, in relationship to her role in redemption, so the Blessed Mother, Mother of God, right? Or it might be a way in which she uh, works in close relationship with her son, you know? So Our Lady of Hope, Our Lady of Mercy, right? Mm -hmm. So she is the one uh, who gave birth to the one who alone brings mercy and hope to the world, these sorts of things, right? Mm -hmm. So they can all touch on different aspects of our individual life of discipleship and of faith, and she is Mother of it all for us. Mm-hmm. Is there a particular Mary that has been close to you in your journey as as bishop? You know, I, I'd say it, uh, my relationship with Mary goes back even as a kid. I, I still remember. I still remember in school, right, going into an exam, and I always knew I wanted to pray. I always prayed the Hail Mary first, going into an exam. Okay. What came to mind was, and I, I suppose it's like going to the mother for assurance, you know, oh, yeah. and praying the Hail Mary. But I've been particularly touched, I'd have to say, over the last few years by uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe. Mm. Um, I think because of, uh, well, a number of things. So the, John Paul II really, because of what happened there in the 1500s, at Tepeyac and this extraordinary uh, number of conversions that, that followed from that. So she is the, the star of the new evangelization for the Americas. I think oh. we need to be talking, turning to Mary more and more for the help of her intercessions, the church seeks to find new ways, more effective ways to announce the gospel in, in our time. So from that perspective, I think the whole church needs to be turning in a wonderful way and in a deliberate way towards um, Our Lady of Guadalupe. Mm. But I, I, was, I was struck when I went there. I went and visited the shrine once and uh, mm. 
um, was able to to see the the, the tilma and was able to see it up close and just the extraordinary miracle that that is. But what really stayed with me is the story, the story of. Uh, <laughs> I love that part of the story of Juan Diego because she had appeared to him a couple of times and then he was really, really worried about his sick uncle. Oh, and yeah. so he took a different route around the mountain to avoid <laughs> to avoid the Blessed Mother so oh, she yeah. wouldn't waylay, but she went after him, right? And, um, but it was at that moment that uh, she spoke to him and she said, what are you worried about? Am I not here who am your mother? Oh, yeah. Why are you afraid? Mm. Things are going to get looked after. Mary can say that in a way that makes it very real. Sometimes a mom looking at her child will want to give that assurance, it's all going to be okay, may not really know how that might unfold. Mary can bring those good things about. She knows. Yeah. So am I not here who am your mother? And those those words are emblazoned in Spanish on the facade of this big, beautiful basilica that they have there at Guadalupe. And it has stayed with me. You know, So... Um, Challenges come our way, challenges come my way, wondering what in the name of heavens am I going to do about <laughs> this particular issue, right? Now? And then I'll just, in, I'll find myself turning to Mary and just letting those words reverberate. Am I not here? I'm your mother. No. All right. Okay. It's going to be all right. There's a basilica that's built. Is it right over the physical place where she appeared? Is that where the basilica was built? Um, let me get this straight in my mind fact um, checker fact checker no <laughs> there, there's a there's a, a it's well right now the 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 landmass for the basilica and the territory around it is massive so there are there are one or two sites associated with the actual spot mm-hmm. um but it you know mexico city is is built over swamplands so gradually sinking and so there was a one big basilica that was built that's now on mm. a tilt sinking right um so at a certain point they had to create a bigger basilica, a new one, which is remaining stable. Oh. And so the tilting basilica still exists? Yeah, and you still and you can go in. It's but, safe. And but you, there's you, this kind of a sense yeah, you're of this walk, is going to on a tilt. It's, it's the strangest kind of experience. Um, <laughs> oh, my. Yep. <laughs> Matthew, did you find out? Uh, yeah, the new basilica is at the foot of the hill. Oh, yeah. Like. Okay, that's right. And the other one is... I didn't check that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fired. <laughs> <laughs> when you're when you're praying the rosary, do you have like a particular image of Mary that kind of stays with you, like visualizing Mary? Is that she, or Lady of Guadalupe, she stays with you? Thank you for that question because uh, it just reminding me of my practice. So one of my sisters at one point gave me, oh, what do you call that, a, a cross stitch? Oh, yeah. Um, of the Pieta. Oh. And I have that in one of my rooms at the residence. And so often when I pray the rosary, I'll pray and I'll look at that. And, and the Pieta is such a powerful, powerful image for for any any disciple. Because, And I've talked about this publicly before. I don't think we've mentioned it on the podcast. But if you look at the Pieta, mm-hmm. and what I'm referring to, of course, is Michelangelo's masterpiece that's at St. Peter's Basilica. Uh, look at the two hands of Mary. So she's the dead body of her son in her lap, and one hand she's holding the body, the other is open, and the palm facing upwards. Mm -hmm. And so one is the hand of the mother grieving the death of her son. The other is a gesture of surrender Mm -hmm. to the will of God, the act of a disciple. And how how many times in our own lives do we cling to things? We don't don't want to let go. It It could be 
a family member who's ill or dying, we don't want to let go. Or it could be a it, it could be a project, it could be reputation, it could be whatever it is. We don't want to let go of it. But at the at the end of the day, as a disciple, we do have to let go and surrender it all to God. So I have that uh, before me, but I also have inherited this from my mom, and it came from her her own mother, uh, a beautiful ceramic version of the Madonna, you know, so Mary with the, the child, Jesus. Mm. And so there's the two images together are quite powerful. So Mary, the new mother, having given birth to the son, mm. but then the grieving mother, the mother who's at the end of the day a disciple, right? Mm. So echoing through it all is her fiat, mm. her yes. At the, at the uh, outset, a fiat of wonderment of where's this all going to go the fiat of of trusts of surrender um the and then the final one the fiat in the midst of excruciating pain but still not wanting to let go of her faith or trust in god and just surrendering even her son at that moment and the the two together just really capture the essence of of discipleship and the whole drama of discipleship and um, faith and trust that has to be at the heart of it all. So I love to have those two images in front of me as I'm praying, as I'm praying the rosary. And if someone is in a position of uh, not being very connected to Mary, not really knowing Mary, what would be uh, what would you recommend as a first? Uh, I would step? say just start praying the Hail Mary. The Hail Mary. Yeah, mm-hmm. just start that. Um, if it means just doing it, uh, I don't know, once a day, twice a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then start to be attentive to any changes that are coming about in you. What might Mary be asking the Lord to bring about within your heart and in your own mind? And the more we turn to the mother, our mother, the more we can expect change, good change, and usually very surprising change. But don't be afraid of any of that. Well, thank you for sharing your wisdom on this topic. I appreciate it. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Glad to. Yeah. Well, Mother Mary, pray for us all. Well, why don't we end that way? Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, thank you, Your Grace. You're welcome. Thank you to everyone listening, and uh, be sure to connect with us next week.